Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, getting through residency financially. Uh, there was a great Reddit post about side hustles, and uh, someone mentioned DoorDash as a, as a great way to you know get some extra pay. Uh, this was a PGY2 who uh, used to be able to staff on weekends, uh, but then they discontinued it, and uh, the cost of living uh, is higher and uh, certainly, anybody in uh, residency now is, is seeing that you know those those rents are, are really going up, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And uh, DoorDash, I think, is actually probably one of the best things you can do, and I'll say why. The big thing about burning out is doing the same thing over and over again. So when your side hustle is going back into a pharmacy after working pharmacy all week. Well, that's not much of a relief, but actually having contact with humans uh, on pickup and you know drop off, and I haven't done it, but uh, it just seems like it's something that would be somewhat reasonable where you get to talk to humans uh, that are um, appreciative of what you're doing, you're getting tips, and it just, it's kind of the opposite of residency where you kind of feel like you're, you know, is what I'm doing right? You know, you're getting evaluations, you're being told no by, you know, physicians on some of your recommendations and, uh, you know, you kind of get down about it. But when you are driving around and providing people with food, especially if it's early and they're happy to see you and you're getting tips and all these things, you're being appreciated. And I'm not trying to be punny here, but you know, you being appreciated is something that is necessarily rare in residency because there's so much that's expected of you that often it's a mindset of, man, you just need to do a little bit more where in this case you're being appreciated and getting tangible appreciation. And when we look at the math, you know, how much a residency pays and how much, you know, you're making per hour, uh, we can do some pretty quick math to see that $25 an hour, which is about what the average DoorDash person makes, uh, is actually a pretty good deal. So uh, I wouldn't knock it, but in terms of side hustles for residents, in general, it's really tough to start a side hustle in residency, which is why I think it's always good to have a couple of uh, jobs that are outside of pharmacy while you're going to pharmacy school. I worked on the inner harbor of Baltimore waiting tables and you know some days were absolutely amazing where you're on the water, you're getting paid to be there, you're talking to people, it's a lot of fun. Some days were tough where you know kitchens backed up, uh, customers are not happy and things like that. But you're out of the pharmacy, you're being appreciated and you're talking to humans not about pharmacy and uh, that that really can be uh, a big deal. So Again, I, I, I think DoorDash is a, is a great idea, Uber Eats, whatever it is. Uh, let's talk about some of the other ones. Uh, being kicked out of a residency program. This is a real thing. Uh, some people need to be licensed by a certain time, and ASHP says you, know, you don't have to be licensed until November 1st. Well, what ASHP is just saying is that you have to be licensed by November 1st as a program. You have to require it by that day. Uh, because you have to have two-thirds as a pharmacist. And, 
you know, it's in the contract. That's just how it works. Now, during the pandemic, there were some exceptions to this because uh, there were some difficulties. And then with the CPJE, that created problems too. But when, as we see NAPLEX scores go down and you think, well, you know, they only went down to 84%. But when you think about that, 16 out of every 100 students are not going to pass the NAPLEX on the first time. And the bigger issue is the MPJE. 20 students out of 100 will not pass the MPJE. And then we get to the CPJE, oh my gosh, you get to like 50%, you know, will not pass on the first time. So when you are thinking about pharmacy residency and the MPJE, there are kind of a couple things you can do. Uh, the first is if you're going to a VA, I would get licensed in Idaho because then you only have to take the NAPLEX and you only have to worry about the NAPLEX and don't even have to worry about the MPJE. That would be my recommendation if you're at a VA. If you are you know, in this position, the, the big thing with the MPJE is just most people just leave it till later and it's just so hard to study for it, especially with extremely difficult states like Maryland and other places. Uh, TLDR Pharmacy, I don't get any kickbacks from him or anything like that, but TLDR Pharmacy has uh, the MPJE stuff already filled out. And, uh, you know, when you talk about spending one, two, three hundred thousand dollars for school and then 75 bucks for just, you know, the cheat sheet for MPJE, that just seems like a, a no brainer to to have that, you know, head start on the MPJE, especially since you're likely changing states a lot of times. Uh, half the students do stay in the same state and tend to have much better scores on MPJE, but half the students don't. And that makes it really difficult. Uh, when you look at when you're going to start next year, and you may want to ask about the start date. Uh, it's either going to be July 3rd, uh, which is that Monday, but that kind of pushes your residency a little bit further out. So um, asking a start and stop date is not uh, unheard of. And then it's more likely you'll start the week before, uh, which would make a lot of sense because you would want some uh, kind, of, kind of ramping up uh, to get ready and all those things. Okay. Uh, this was... I don't want to say big news as much as, you know, kind of a shocking thing to see. Uh, there was a post on The Accidental Pharmacist about uh, uh, one of the three-letter stores, uh, and three letters just refers to their uh, stock tickers, uh, wanting to decrease pharmacist pay by 50% and increase tech pay by 25%. And I think, you know, there's huge number of upvotes on this. It's in the pharmacy Reddit, not the pharmacy residency Reddit. And they're just saying, well, the law doesn't allow that. Well, when we go down to our neighbors to the south and you go into a store and you say, I'd like to get amoxicillin, they'll just give you a bottle of 100 amoxicillin. And not that big a deal. Now, the United States is very litigious. We have a lot of lawyers. Somebody says, well, the clerk just handed it to me. You know, and then, you know, I got a super infection or whatever it is. So when we think about this, it's like, is this possible? And what we're really talking about is automation. Right now, as much as pharmacists make, it's still a lot cheaper to have a pharmacist do everything than it is to have a machine. But once that changes, or that the fact that they can't get technicians and pharmacists to work, well, they're going to go to automation. And there was a recent article in the Wall Street Journal uh, where the other three letter or the other big three letter does turn to prescription filling robots and uh, these drug filling centers are nothing new uh, 
you know, the, the local regional kind of grocery chain here, uh, when I get my prescription from the pharmacy, they hand me a bag and sometimes try to put it in a bag. I'm like, it, it's already in a bag. You, you don't have to give it to me. You know, it's, it's already done, but they haven't counted anything. They've just pulled it from the tote, put it in alphabetically, handed it to me. I got it a day or two later. Uh, and you know, the, the prescriptions coming from the robots are, are, you know, so it's, it's RPH versus robot and all of that stuff. And the question has always been, you know, are, are these going to replace us? And uh, the idea is that, no, what we're doing is we're actually giving the pharmacist time to do those other things. And then that, <laughs> that brings on the other Reddit post, which I, I don't have up here, but uh, flu swabs. So in addition to doing flu shots, you know, how are you going to do flu swabs and put that in the same kind of workflow that you have and that's a discussion for something else uh, but what I what I wanted to do was talk really about what are some of the things that you can do uh, to uh, do better in residency so what I want to do is kind of talk about how it's not just money it's where you live and so let's talk about NYU, and I've, I've never known how to pronounce this. I'm going to guess it's Langone Health, but it's the NYU uh, Department of Pharmacy. It's on 551st Avenue. And if you don't know where that is, that's close to the East River. So if you're coming from Central Park, you would go down and over. Uh, it's probably right around where Midtown uh, is. You'd go a little bit east of Midtown Manhattan. And we know Manhattan, you know, one of the most expensive places in the, in the world to live. So you get a stipend of $51,500. say, okay, $50,000, not bad. All right, and then what we'll do is we'll look at Baltimore. So Johns Hopkins Hospital, 600 North Wolf Street. Uh, and, uh, you know, many, many different places you can live in Baltimore. I know it pretty well. It's about $50,000 too. And then uh, let's talk about Des Moines, Iowa. So $10,000 less, $41,742. So we'll say about $42,000. Okay. And immediately you would say, oh my gosh, how am I going to live on 10000 less? But let's take a minute, look at NerdWallet, which I think is the, the best you know, cost of living calculator. How far does this 41742 take you in you know, Manhattan? So we put in 41742 in Des Moines, and you would need $119,323 to have the same cost of living in Manhattan. So it's not like a little bit different. It is exponentially different. Okay, so that $41,000, actually you can get by in Des Moines with 41 grand. It's, we, we're you know living in the suburbs of, of central Iowa and we're just north of Des Moines. And um, you know, we make obviously a lot more than $41,000, but uh, just kind of incredible uh, that you know, the rent for, you know, a two bedroom apartment, and it's probably not this low anymore, is around 677. But in New York and Manhattan, it's about $5,000. So just amazingly different. The median home price in Des Moines is about $319,000. It's about 2.2 million in Manhattan. So these are the extremes. I get that. But what I'm saying is, don't forget to make sure that you're looking at the cost of living. But let's look at Baltimore. Is the 41,742 in Des Moines 
reasonable and comparable to Baltimore. And we look at it and we see that, yeah, in Baltimore, you should have about $52,892. So it actually does work out that if you're in Des Moines, it's going to be, you know, about comparable. But when you look at rents, you know, for a two-bedroom apartment in Des Moines, again, they're saying it's about $700. You would probably want to pay a little more than that. In Baltimore, it's about $1,800, and I can tell you that's true. I've lived there, and, and I know it. But I think that it's reasonable to say that those are somewhat comparable. Now, the next step, and I'm not going to get into it in this episode, is to look at the number of days you will actually work. So what is the staffing like? My understanding is that at Hopkins, they do 12 on, 2 off. I don't know if that's true or not, but if you're looking at places like that are doing you know every other weekend of staffing and you aren't getting a, the days off during the week uh, that is brutal and if you talk to the residents they will tell you hey you know it's it's exhausting we're burnt out uh, and all of that stuff so again you know when, when it comes to finances yeah you know you can do doordash to make a couple extra dollars get some relief from the, the pharmaciness of it uh, it's kind of fun uh, now, with gas prices, obviously that kind of cuts into your uh, money and things like that, but it's reasonable to do something like that uh, to just kind of get away from pharmacy and all of that. But I really think that when it comes to choosing where you actually go, what city you actually live in, when you look at the pay, it's really pretty much the same, like that forty to $60,000 range, really 60000 way on the high side, uh, average around a little bit more than fifty. that the city you're living in is really going to make a huge difference. So I think we're going to see a bit of a shift to some more moderately priced areas uh, like the Midwest, uh, which uh, we've always been known kind of for our lower cost of living. And it really is pretty reasonable uh, to live here and, and to live well. So, all right. Well, uh, last thing I want to do is talk about Perils of Polypharmacy. So Eric uh, Christensen uh, wrote this uh, and he asked me to narrate it. Uh, one of the ways that you can kind of just get better at residency or get better at the interview that you're going to go into is to kind of listen to these cases over and over again. And each of these books that he writes is six or seven hours of cases. So I think it's a, a pretty reasonable uh, return. Uh, if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's you know free. Uh, if you get the audiobook, you've never been on uh, Audible before, uh, you can get the audiobook uh, for free as well. So, you know, it just you forget how much time you spend in your commute and how much that really takes away from you. Uh, if you do the math of 30 minutes a day, so 15 minutes each way of a commute, times five days a week, times 52 weeks, that's 7,800 minutes. And you divide that by 60 and you see that you have 130 hours. Well, if you divide that by 40 hour weeks, that's three and a quarter, 40 hour weeks just getting to someplace in 15 minutes. So when you're considering a residency, you're like, well, it's only half hour away. Recognize that you are adding six and a half weeks of commuting. 
So that's like doing an extra six and a half weeks of work, okay? And for those of you that are doing an hour commute each way, and I've heard of hour commutes or even higher, I'll do the math for you, it is absolutely insane. So that is 120 minutes a day, times five days a week, times 52 weeks, equals 31,200 minutes, okay? Divided by 60 minutes is 520 hours, divided by 40 is 13 40-hour weeks in the car, which is crazy. So as you're thinking about these residencies, really think about where can you reasonably get housing. And the closer you are, it is an amazing amount of savings, not just in gas, but time, which is your most valuable resource. So nothing wrong with DoorDash, nothing wrong with making some extra money that way, but uh, just to let you know, your biggest expenses are probably gonna come up from your commute and the city you live in. And uh, hopefully, by doing really well with your letters of intent and your CV and your recommendations and all of that, you can choose an equal residency that has much better financial prospects. And by doing that, that's where the real money savings is. And that's where the quality of life just completely changes. So when you see people that are burnt out, first thing I always ask them is, well, how far are you going each way to work? Okay. How much are you staffing? Okay. Did you think about those things when you were applying? It's like, yeah, I thought about it, but it sounded not so bad. But when you do the math, uh, really, I, I got to tell you, you know, living in Baltimore when I went to school and being able to walk that 10 minutes to school, and it was a nice walk. It was, you know, we usually do it with our classmates and everything. Uh, that was really pleasant. But I tell you what, you know, an hour commute into town or something like that, that is going to be brutal. So, well, I'm heading up here on about 20 minutes. So let me just uh, finish up. Uh, so talk about the, the letter of intent. And again, uh, you know, I, wh what is it that I do? What is it that I help you with? So what I, I do is you'll send me your letter of intent. Uh, you might use my template. You might use somebody else's template. And Usually I prefer that you send me a page and a half so I can cut it down to a page. But what I do is I help you with the first letter and then we do that one. And then we do a next letter and then you see how it is that you change it to go to uh, the next one and that helps you with your next 10 or nine or however many you're gonna do. Uh, but it's two letters for $95. But right now I'm basically doing a third which is just your kind of practice letter, your diagnostic letter. And I do this through October because I still have time. There's the, the big rush comes in November as soon as you know they release uh, everything in the beginning of November. And what I do is you just kind of send me your letter, I fix it, I show you what you wanna do, how you wanna kind of stay away from parts of templates and exact phrasing from templates. But also uh, you want to kind of see where the gaps are in the big five. You know, do you have the clinical experience you need for that residency? Do you have the research or ASHP presentation? Do you have the service, the teaching? Uh, and do you have the leadership that they would want at maybe the vice president or presidential level? Uh, that's the best case scenario. And then for some places, yeah, you're gonna have to have hospital work experience. 
And the thing is, is that the hours don't matter as much as the fact that you have it. So if you're working four hours a week or something like that, it's better than nothing. And some places, although you, you know, you're working very hard in community pharmacy, uh, they simply say you know, they want somebody that, that's already worked in the hospital. And it's not to, to be mean to you. It's just to say that, look, we want to know that you've worked in a hospital and you like it. And that's what you want to do. And we don't want to have somebody come in and find out, well, I don't really like working in a hospital. Uh, so I, I understand why they do that, but you want to be careful there. So again, it's residency.teachable.com. Uh, the extreme LOI makeover is the one thing that most people like to do the most, but I will help you with CVs. There's a course for that. And then interview prep if that's something you're worried about. Okay. All right. Tony, the pharmacist at gmail.com. If you've got questions.